Hello, my name is Robert Hagens. And I'm Kay Tuxford. And this is episode 38 of Screenwriting from the Trenches, a podcast about the craft and expression of screenwriting in all of its forms. From the perspective of writers just like you. This week, we are talking about the drop, that moment in screenwriting where the story and characters fall into place and suddenly you know exactly the whole what the whole thing is and what it's going to be about. But before we get to that, we must, as always, discuss what is screenwriting Twitter fighting slash talking about this week. Kay, you want to kick us off? I do. <clears throat> screenwriting Twitter is a dumpster fire. Okay, there it is. Thank there you. it is. Thank you. Um, yeah, I want to kick us off. We had a rescinded tweet from Hannah Rosen, who was complaining that the new Hulu Fire Island movie did not pass the Bechdel test. And uh, she has since removed it uh, because it, you know, it- <clears throat> It was it a joke go- tweet to, to be It was fair. a joke tweet, yes. But I think people took it a little bit too seriously. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, so fi- the, well, I'm sorry, what is the name of the, the movie, the Fire Island movie? No, no, it's a Fire Island movie. Isn't that the name of it? Uh, I think it's got a, uh, yeah, Fire Island movie. Yeah, yeah gets, Fire Island movie. So she said it gets an F on the Bechtel test because it features gay men. It's all about their lives and romances. So she was kind of making a joke and a bunch of people kind of, I think, took this a little bit too seriously. Yeah, um, folks were not happy. Um, Pitchforks came out, yeah. Yeah, because we're in the middle of, you know, the, uh, the AAPI sort of... Uh, Thing as well as Pride Month, and it just was not, um, not the best time. Uh, it was an ill-timed and ill-advised tweet, and the then there was the thing that I was sort of because um, I'm not in that either of those discussions. I'm not in the Asian community, and I'm certainly not in the queer community. Um, but like it, it's it's it became over on, on the cis straight side it was just people talking about do we not know that the Bechtel test was uh was a joke it was satire it was originally intended as satire um and so I was like I, is is that because I was never presented with that information like I was always like one of those things that sort of came up and then like people have, like John August has put it in uh highland the screenwriting program that he uses where like you can literally have your hit that script program check to see what kind of grade it would get on the bechdel test if i'm not mistaken you can actually do that inside of highland and so I've, yeah i've never i've never been informed that the bechdel test was any sort of joke uh yeah least, i mean even if i guess maybe if i was not there at the origin of the bechdel test but based on what i was I think there was a comic. I think that yes, was a comic. Movie. There was a comic. It was a comic, and one of the characters in the comic was talking about whether you know whether she was going to see a movie or not, and she would only want to see a movie if it passed these requirements. Right. So the I think because it was in a comic, they were like, "Ah, oh, it's a joke, ha ha." But we use comic books and graphic novels to make all sorts of points. Like just because The Watchmen is a comic book. Right. Nobody's like, it's a riot, you know. Um, <laughs> so maybe that dark this, comedian is so funny. He's the funniest guy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I think maybe 
that got confused there but the point the characters making and the artist was always a valid point and we've only had more kind of tests come out of it for other communities uh i know there's one for um you know often like minority characters kind of what their topic is and if they're just supporting some white character you know right. things like that it's i don't know it's it's always been very helpful to me as a right it, it sort of said it was one of those things that was like that came out and then whether whether or not the original what the, whether or not what the original tension of the the piece was it then became a helpful tool to sort yeah. of like correct the ship because it, it was speaking truth to power and then it, it you know it sort of put all of us on notice like you know if you, you got to be checking your your characters to see like how they're built how they talk them what they are talking about what are the reasons for the characters in the screenplay and that kind of uh examination is 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 helpful um i don't care what anybody says it's it's, it's dead bang helpful so i i wasn't aware that it was uh that it was satire or that you know was one of those things like frustrating like the boondocks is, is another thing where like you you know you've had several um cartoons that were controversial or came out but then out of the the recognition of bringing that truth to light things then that came, that then that became the normal um yeah like i feel like in terms of comics like that like the the, the Bechdel test comic book and especially the boondocks i feel like they had such uh, you know uh, there was that radical base of like comics that came up for a while that were really like when people paid attention to comic strips like i don't know if there would be in atlanta if we didn't have the boondocks yeah i can see that um <clears throat> But the second topic uh, that people were fighting about this week was how to spell whoa. Whoa. Yeah, uh, did whoa. anyone did anyone ask Keanu Reeves? Yeah, everybody was talking about it. Like, you know, is are we talking about a surfer whoa? Are we talking about a whoa? Like it was just it was just like a like a it was a cacophony of woes. People were like explaining their reasons for spelling whoa in a different way like there's there is so much controversy on like what woe are we talking about and how we are saying it like who what kind of character is saying whoa is it a Keanu Reeves type character is it a surfer character is it a you know like are we just saying whoa or is it like whoa like how is someone saying this and it just devolved into this thing and it's it, it was just one of those instances I was like I love screenwriting Twitter that's this is this is what I come here for yeah yeah and technically I think it's if you're to ask the uh the folks <clears throat> it's w-h-o-a right if you mm -hmm. look it up but uh it is commonly spelled w-o-h-a o-a-h yeah yeah, O A H. To be honest, I grew up with much more of a W O A H uh, world. Yeah. Uh, but, then, <clears throat> but, you know, it's not going to rock the foundation of my life if I read Woe one way or another. So, uh, <laughs> the Twitter maybe. Uh, but yeah, I guess if I were to like point out which looks like the word Woe, I probably would have the one with the H on the end, even though it's it is wrong. Oh my God, K Tux. Right. Yeah, it feels right to me. Yeah. You're an H on the end. Whoa. That's. I'm uh, an H on the end. Yeah. Maybe it has to be with, you know, now that I'm, I've always been in the Southwest and now I'm in <laughs> Southern California. Like, 
at night it seeps into my veins. The yeah. H will always be on the end of my woes. No, um, yeah, so it was so weird. Um, but yeah, and then, okay, this one sort of, this one was a, a joint thing between screenwriting Twitter and black Twitter, where yeah. um, <laughs> it was a joint dragging. Um, this woman, Brandy, um, whose at sign is, it's, uh, it's me underscore duh. She put out the tweet, show me proof Bernie Mac was actually funny, please, because y'all dragging it. And she got more than she wanted. A, um, ple a plethora of yeah. popped up. A, a, like a, a fountain uh, came forth. Yeah, people were not having it. People were not having her come for Bernie Mac. Rest in peace. I actually met the man um, in one of my first jobs in the industry. My first job in the industry. Um, I got a job as a PA shooting the behind the scenes on head of state. And I had a chance to work with the great Bernie Mac, not to mention uh, my claim to fame in that movie, besides being the behind the scenes for HBO, was um, the first day of shooting, they invited me to set. And I was supposed to get in Bernie Mac's wardrobe. Um, and they, uh, they were gonna put his face over my face for all the promotional materials for the movie. So any posters and stuff that you see with Bernie Mac doing posters and stuff, it's actually me um, <laughs> with Bernie Mac's face over my face. Because um, he was in LA shooting, still shooting the Bernie Mac show and did not come out for uh, until like two or three weeks in the shooting. And so as I, I got there and, you know, I was basically classified as an extra and, the AD is like, oh, well, let me introduce you to the director. And I turn around and it's Chris Rock. And ah. it was amazing because I was like, oh, oh, oh my God, because he's literally my favorite comedian of all time. And, you know, I was not expecting to meet one of my heroes, let alone be introduced with them right before we were supposed to do a photo shoot together. So <laughs> it was amazing. Uh, and it just, oh man. So, uh, you know, after they put me in Bernie's wardrobe and then got me to do all the things and then took all the pictures and stuff like that, it was just, um, I was, uh, invited uh, later to come back to set and film the behind the scenes as a young filmmaker. And, uh, it was an amazing experience and I got to, you know, see Bernie Mac do it. And that man is hysterical. I, I'm not having it either. Like, no. <laughs> As no. somebody who's played Bernie Mac's body, right? That like that man is is he was he was a true talent. I mean, like we were all in stitches. I've never worked on a comedy before. Besides that, like even in my indie film, I think I've never. I don't think I've ever worked on a comedy. But there were, I've never seen so many funny people in one place at the same time. And it was just, we were constantly laughing on that set. We just laughed so much. And Bernie Mac doing every take was just gold. Uh, the man just did not know how to do bad takes. Like he just was an absolute talent. And so not to mention the fact that there's plenty of uh, Bernie Mac's uh, stand-up routines on the internet that have been shared uh, for years. And so when this woman came for Bernie Mac, she got shouted down in the likes of which I have, I have yet to see it uh, in quite some time. Um, so 
yeah, it kind of piled on really, really fast. Like, like I, it took me a while even just to find the original tweet. Like yeah. some people were retweeting <laughs> it, but at that point it was just, I was like, where are all the Bernie Mac, I mean, like, why are all these clips? I mean, not that I'm upset, but what, you know, what, what's happening here? Yeah. Right. Exactly. Um, but yeah, so it, it went viral. And, Mac. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, not so well, not so much the greatest idea, but uh, well, maybe she, you know, maybe she now knows. Maybe well, she, she I remember she tweeted afterwards. She was like, "If I say that I was hacked, will y'all forgive me?" I'm trying to see what my options are here. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so she has regrets. Uh, yeah, she, you know, we've, yeah, she clearly had regrets. So yeah. it was it was uh, it was crazy. We've um, all been tsunami by Twitter once or twice, so you know <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. It's you know. We sometimes don't know what we do. Let's move on to our topic of the week. Topic of the week. Yep. Which Let's is go. the drop. Now, I heard about this. Um, this is, what, the fourth week running that we've talked about? Tony Gilroy? Tony Gilroy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is turning into the Tony Gilroy fan podcast. <laughs> yeah, we stand Tony Gilroy. That's not even true. I stand Dan. And I know. I actually watched, um, I forgot to put a thing, but I actually watched, like, uh, Nightcrawler this week. So I'll, I'll, we'll talk about that when I talk about the, what we yeah. watched this week. But yeah, so um, anyway, so I, I was listening to On Story, um, uh, a podcast uh, about, you know, from the Austin Film Festival, and they yeah. had an interview with Tony Gilroy, and he was talking about the drop, and it's this moment where, like, you know, where you're, like, you've been doing research, and you've been doing things, you've been trying to figure out what the, the, the screenplay is about, beyond sort of, like, your initial idea which maybe you can sort of parse into a log line yeah but you don't really have the story you don't have the meat uh or the sort of um connected tissue to see yeah, how you're con- gonna get there right what's gonna put this thing together what's gonna make it a movie you don't have it yet but then something happens um like you know you're you're in this wandering missed phase of screenwriting where you're just like sort of like what and you're just reaching for anything that you could sort of like find to help you out you're just everything is just you're just a sense of like i swear i'm a writer i swear there's yeah i swear i've done this before i've i've done it i swear and there like there's nothing and all you can hear is like your voice echoing back at you from whatever you're hitting you don't know because you're the mist is just you know whatever you're just trying not to trip over your own feet yeah, and, or you're, or you're like staring at the white page, and you're like Gandalf. All of a sudden, like, I have no memory of this place. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you're like, how did we do this before? Uh, who was I? I was clearly like taken over and consumed. Like I was possessed before as a writer. Right. What? You're like the, you know, like the the character in yeah. LA. You're like what? You know, like yeah, no, you, like I was blind. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So it's. Different it's now. Yeah, you're just, you know, and then, you know, you have that that moment of inspiration. And that usually comes from doing a lot of research and just sort of like trying to figure out like, you know, what this, the, the movie is actually about. And you do a lot of research on um, whatever your subject is about. And you just go through and you read um, books and articles and listen to podcasts and watch videos on YouTube and try to fill your brain with as much crap that you can and then you know something happens like you know somebody is talking to you about it 
You know, you ever do that thing where somebody says something to you and you're talking about this, the script that you're trying to write. And then in talking to someone, somebody will ask you a question and then you're just like, yeah, and it's, uh, the, and you just start trailing off. And as you, like you're trailing off, you can hear the, like the, like the tumblers turn in the lock. Like you can just feel that thing. You're like, oh no, oh, okay. And then it just hits you that moment of boom, like a, like it's, it's like a, like a, like a literary lightning strike and you're just like okay um yeah. all right i've got to get this down i i this is why i carry <laughs> pens on me at all times because well, i just I, yeah i was gonna say i feel like i experience a slightly different drop uh because usually it happens uh not when i'm talking to other people although that's a really great time when ideas do occur have you ever um there's this, uh, it makes a lot of sense. Um, there's this great TED talk about where ideas come from. Have you seen this one? No, but you mentioned it in another podcast. I love this one. I, yeah. I make my students watch this one a lot. It's Steven Johnson, Where Ideas Come From. It's free on YouTube, so we'll link it. It's like 17 minutes talking about how ideas happen. And basically one of the arguments it has, which is why your example works so well, is oftentimes when we start communicating what's going wrong with something or to somebody else, like, a, you know, what's happening, uh, usually then we make the connection. So by, by speaking, uh, you know, our brains are operating differently. So um, I think it's just like a really cool idea that, you know, in the middle of expressing where you're stuck and stuff, those, those little tumblers and locks of readjusting are literally happening in your brain. Uh, yeah. Because you're, you're thinking about it differently by talking about it. Um, so I, it's such a great, uh, it's, it's such a great way our brain works. We don't even think about it. Um, well, if you think about that, it's probably because, you know, if you're speaking to someone the same way that you and I sort of talk and like, you're sort of trying, you, you're, you know, especially if you know the person, you're trying to empathize with them. You're trying yeah. to figure out. And so that sort of gets your brain working in a different way anyway, because you're already trying to walk in someone else's shoes. You're trying to figure out where their answers are coming from. So just so like if they say something, you're like, oh, they're not coming from a place where they're trying to hurt me usually. Like, you know, it's like one of those things so that you can, you know, and then being able to think in that sort of way, then, you know, you're, like you said, the locks are turning in a different way. You're using a different method, um, you know. Yeah, you're, you're, going, you're you're stimulating a different part of your brain like mm -hmm. uh and so you haven't thought of it that way before so it's right. just, a lot of epiphanies come that way like just having a conversation and it goes oh, you know that's it yeah yeah um, and sometimes i'll try to talk to myself out loud in order to do that like in order to sort of like get the drop to happen like i'll talk about it and i'm just like okay yeah but you know this is happening and that is happening and then i like you know the next thing you know like you're like, oh, but what, oh, okay, yeah, no, oh, and then the, I'm like, I'm going to make that noise like three more times in this podcast. Um, <laughs> make and, the sound. Yeah, yeah, and so then, you know, then you start, you know, what happens to me almost immediately is the characters start talking, like they start having conversations, like it's like, those pathways form immediately in my brain. And then the next thing I know, like the characters are like, are saying, are having a full on conversation. And then I become um, a stenographer. I'm just like, okay. And, and, and then, and then you, and said, then you what? said what? And then, and, okay. And then he said, what? Okay. 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 And then I'm just trying to get, <laughs> get it down as fast as I can. Literally, this is why I carry pens and notebooks with me at all times. 
Um, <laughs> I've literally had to, I was talking to my wife about this, but like, I remember like there were, I was having a, I was having a moment and I, um, and I had just been talking with a friend about a television show that we were into at the time. And um, something about that just spawned this idea, like on the spot. It was like the t one of those ideas that comes out almost fully formed based okay. on something else that I, that I loved. And it just came out and I literally had to pull over to the side of the road um, and just start writing it down because it was wow. just like one of those things where you're just like, oh shit. And then, <laughs> then it becomes like characters and situations and the world. And it all comes out in this weird rush of like stuff. Um, and then you're just like trying to get as much of it. And it's so weird, probably because I'm ADHD, you know, I'm getting like, you know, rules of the world and also conversations with the characters. And I'm trying to get both at the same time. And I only have one hand that writes um, and I'm just trying to keep it. So we need to get you two hands to write two different things. At right. The same time. Okay. Jesus. Wow. Okay, Rob. Okay. You know, that's interesting for me. I think for me, my ideas oftentimes, it's not that I don't have those moments because I do. I think a lot of times it starts out in the back of my brain, whatever the idea is, um, quietly. And then it starts getting louder and louder and louder. Like as the days go on, uh, you know, the thing that I thought of like, oh, that was, that's an interesting moment and then move on. Like the next day it shows up in my head again. And I'm like, yeah, right. it's so interesting. And then, you know, each time it comes back, there's, oh, and then this, oh, and then this. Uh, and then before you know it, it, you know, and again, this kind of to totally taken from that Steve Johnson video. It's, um, mine is often what they more call the slow hunch where each day, like it kind of snowballs and it gets louder and more. And, you know, so a lot of people think like, oh, you know, day one, you have this humongous epiphany, but sometimes you look back and you're like, you look at all your notes for months and you realize that you were always kind of circling it. Right, or yeah. You were getting there. It's kind of like fading into existence. And um, so yeah, for me, it's all the suddenly by the time it kind of like leaves my lips, it's like a fully, mostly fully formed idea, you know, that like I like, I honestly, they, they get out of me because they wouldn't shut up. Yeah, like I've, I've done yeah. that too, where you're just like, like you get an idea, but then sometimes you're like, I don't know if this is an actual thing. Let me ruminate on it and see if it has legs. And yeah. the way you sort of like know that it has legs is it keeps coming back, like you said, like over and over again. And then you're just like, all right, I can't ignore this. Um, you know, that sort of, you know, thing. I'm sort of having that experience right now where, you know, like I've had this idea in my head that I sort of knew what it was. But like, then the character started talking and like, they kept doing scenes. And then I was just like, all right, this scene happens. All right, this scene happens, but I'm already writing something else. And so these guys are just like elbowing their way past, you know, security and just like trying to get into like, you know, the, the groove when I'm just like, I'm not ready for you guys yet. I'm still yeah. over here. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's part of it is just like, I was like, yeah, yeah, no, no, I'm, I've got other stuff to do. And it goes, right. And that's the worst, you know, yeah. and I think a lot of people were just like, ooh, something shiny. But like, you know, there, you know, that sometimes what happens is what you're, what you're actually writing, your work in progress, something that you're working on there that you unlock might unlock something else. And you're like, oh, shit, that's what I should do for this, this and this. 
And yeah. then you, like you're, you know, then you, you're dealing with like multiple storylines at once where like you're trying to pay respect to the thing that you're already writing. But like, you know, then this other idea that was on the back burner, you know, now has like new legs. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And as I say, I think one of my projects you're familiar with, and sorry folks on Twitter, you guys aren't, um, but you should because it's cool, um, is for years since I'm Polly, uh, people are like, you need to write a Polly story, right? And they're like, we want you to write about it because people who are often writing about it uh, aren't Polly. So, you know, it's just kind of like a uh, maybe kind of like written more fantasy type magic world type of uh, perspective yeah. and and so people were like give us something more authentic and then um then there was a day when I had to sit down with my partners and we had to work on our wills and realized I had no legal uh I had no legal connection to my children because they were their biological children right. and that day that day suddenly stumped like my poly story which I always knew I wanted to cover all of a sudden I had a plot which is right what it what if a third had no involvement in parenting, but was involved, you know, and, and like that stemmed my story, which I think you read, Bob. But for yes, while, I did read and I loved, it's one of my favorite scripts of yours, um, the Betwixt and Between. And I agree with you that if people don't know about it, they should, because oh, um, it's one yes. of my favorites. And I would love to see that movie uh, happen. And for me, it was like, you know, it did feel authentic. You know, it felt lived in those characters um it feels so very real and um just I was so empathetic to them and I felt their struggle and I was just uh you know their choices that they make and the way that things play out it feels very real it doesn't and it doesn't and knowing you and knowing your life it doesn't also feel like plagiarism um but <laughs> thank you thank you yeah but um it does feel um very lived in um, yeah and, and yeah oh well so you're making me blush you have to stop because that's too much <laughs> uh but i was I'm making to, your head too big Kate. yeah yeah i was like it's too much uh but uh thank you because that's what you're supposed to say when people are nice to you but, it, but it's hard because the back of my head is always like what? you suck yeah i was like that's not true um you know uh is Sometimes you know the world, like you're talking about, you're like, oh, I know I want to write about this, but the conflict or that lightning strike of like how these things are going to come together has definitely been more the drop for me. Mm -hmm. Like you kind of knew your neighborhoods, but all of a sudden, but sudden someone's like, but this one's your house, you know? Right. Or like, or <laughs> yeah. if you go through and like, you're like, did you know that there's a shortcut through blah, blah, blah? And you're like, really? Like, yeah. you just like, we, and you were like, wow, this saves two minutes off my, wow, I had no idea this thing was here. Um, you know, that sort of thing. It, like, you know, you know your neighborhood until you don't. Um, you know, it's just, it's just one of those things. Um, I think the drop is, the other thing about the drop is that, you know, it is when you're trying to get it down, especially in terms of those, like, um, progressive uh, slow hunch situations, you know, when you finally start to write it, you know, you finally get into, this is the idea, but also it's not. Like, yeah. you're, you know, I struggle with that so much where, like, my initial inspiration and the conversations, if I'm like, and it works, it, for me also, I think the other thing is, it happens to me at work a lot, um, and so I'm just like stuck trying to like, you know, I'm in a place 
where I do not write for a living, um, but I do write professionally. But I, you know, and I'm in a place where like, you know, people don't understand me pulling out a pen and a notebook and suddenly, suddenly furiously writing like everything like that's falling out of my head. And so, you know, not being able to do that, um, you know, trying to do that, then trying to put it together later on into something that makes sense. You know, it's the idea, but also it's not. Now you're trying to make it into like an actual thing. And then yeah. you're always like sort of either chiding yourself, like this isn't as good as the original inspiration because now you're trying to not necessarily manufacture something, but you're trying to do something that feels mechanical versus inspirational. And so that's one of the reasons why I don't do um, outlines because for me, like that, that feels like the mechanical part uh, versus, you know, pure inspiration. Like I go into a scene, like what's going to happen? I don't know. And then <laughs> like, I have an idea and then just like go into it. But like, uh, and I try to make it, you know, things happen the way I, I want it to happen. Sometimes I'll write like, you know, one beat and then just, you know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of beat sheets, like that sort of thing. But like, wait, 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 wait. You don't outline, but you do beat sheets? Occasional beat sheets where I'm just like, there's, if I, if I see like a, a scene that like, I know it's not essential for me that I'm going to lose it. If, uh, as long as I put down a beat, be like, someone makes toast. So-and-so makes toast and thinks about God. And I'll be like, all right, I, I can do that. That's fine. I'll put that down. But it's not really like anything formal. It's just like a little note that I'm like, that I can like refer to. Like I do have like lots of page notes where it's like, it's also in a mix of not just um, story beats, but also like interesting fat toys. <laughs> gotcha. And you're like, Joe hasn't had a bowel movement in two days. Right, yeah. exactly. Like. Domino's Pizza was sold, uh, you know, for $1.1 billion in 1998. Um. <laughs> well, I mean, this just makes me terrified of ever seeing inside your head. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, so it, you know, it's those little factoids and, and, are, and, and little story beats are like there, um, you know, like I'm right now I'm writing something that's based on um, a real thing. And so for me, like, I'm sort of keeping time with like the events of like what happened. I'm like, so-and-so did this at 425. So I'm using that as like, it's not necessarily like a story beat. It's just like this note that I know I have to hit like at the, by this point, this person has to be here. So it's like weird, you know, these little factoids and notes and things like all like swirled in together. Um, and then, you know, that's, it's it's not an outline it's not a beat sheet it's just thoughts it's a rob, it's a rob line yeah, yeah it's a it's a rob document of thoughts um, interesting interesting i i don't like that because <laughs> uh when i come back later i don't want to um have to deal with all the random thoughts that were happening uh, i want new thoughts i want fresh thoughts coming in so um, I would be like, why were you so fascinated with this person's shoe size? Like it wouldn't, uh, I would be mad at myself. Um, but I was going to ask when you feel the drop, this is something for me. And I, I don't know if other people feel it, but like, uh, it is a physical feeling yes. uh, for me. And I think, I think that's hard to explain to 
somebody um because they're like oh you're excited and you're like like honestly my body feels like a uh like a compass needle that suddenly just got like boom you know yeah. straight to true north like your entire body just feels like it's responding to it and um you know you you feel almost like it reminds me of, um, I am, you're going to lambast me, but the watcher in the MCU universe, like suddenly you can see through the vast world uh, <laughs> and like you have perfect vision and you can see everything and you feel like, like all obscurity has been removed. Right. Uh, yeah. And it's, and it's a, it's a, it's, you can, you physically feel it for me. Apparently when I'm going through that, I, uh, tense my tongue and I end up pressing into the roof of my mouth for like hours. And then later on, I'm like, why is my tongue so sore? Uh, and then I know like I had a really good epiphany that day. It's kind of, it's a very weird thing. I think everybody kind of processes it differently, but usually that's like my sign that I've been through it. Yeah, I, I definitely get that, that uh, sort of, I think the word you're looking for is euphoric, um, like sort of feeling where you're just like, the, when those tumblers click and you're just and you your brain just like gets it and you're like it, it literally is like you get flooded it feels like you know that that sort of like a, like a dopamine hit almost and yeah. then like, like you're just like oh okay brain yes that is what we're supposed to be doing and you just you know where you're supposed to go and you get it and you literally like you can ride that wave and it, it just feels good it does it physically feels good when you, when that happens and like, you can, you know, like that, I think, uh, you know, that sort of hit of dopamine or oxytocin or whatever, like that comes through, like, you're just like, I can, uh, oh yeah. And then like, well, as, just, as, as a person who has done drugs, I think <laughs> I'm like Rob here, I can tell you that like, I've done boring drugs compared to like writing, like the writing high feeling. Oh um, yeah. It is a better, it is a better, more euphoric, more like a uh, solid high where suddenly you can like just sit and see and feel this. Uh, by the way, I haven't done like all the drugs. So let's not have a, let's not have a drug competition if anybody's listening in. Like, but, I, but I know Rob, like. No, I don't, I don't do the drugs, you, but you I. Rely, as I say, you rely on what you create in your brain. That's true. Yeah. Brain. But I think, yeah. I think I, one of the reasons that I be, that I am a writer is because of, of that feeling, because like, yeah. I, for me, it's like, you know, people are like, yeah, chasing the high. I'm like, have you heard of pen and paper? Like that, <laughs> that's what my yeah. drug choice is. Um, oh my God. That's a t-shirt, uh, pen and paper. That's my drug choice. I'm going to write that go. down. Um, but yeah, like like literally like I pick up a pen and like you know you get that thing man if I get 10 pages you know that th that day where you're like you're like I'm going for three and then you're like you're like all right I'm at five that's fine and then you keep going and then you're like all right I'm, I'm cru cruising in on seven and then you just you look at the bottom of page 10 and you're just like oh god oh it feels so good it, like literally you're like you're just like blissed you out you want to call everybody and be like 10 pages today. And right. I got, <laughs> I got 10 pages and they're like, oh, 10 it pages literally feels yeah. like you could take off the ground. Like you feel yeah. like a human jet engine. It's just like, like I literally like, it, like you, you don't want to be around any high ledges because you will jump because you will be convinced that you can fly. Yeah. Like, it's just, oh, oh, that feeling. There's nothing like that. 
Like, yeah, I yeah, I secretly think like Quentin Tarantino when he finishes his pages, then he goes and calls his friends up and he reads them to him. Them. Yeah, just so he can like get like those those. So you know, he just like like I've had that urge like when I finish ten pages, like I need to tell my friends about this, Mm -hmm. but. I don't have Quentin Tarantino's friends. They're not like, okay, yeah, I'm listening. Yeah, because his friends include like Edgar Wright. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And they're like, yeah, okay, just go. I would love to get Edgar Wright on the phone and be like, hey, Edgar, oh man, you got to hear this new script. And be like, okay, Rob, I'm ready to hear it. And that's my terrible British accent. But like, it's pretty good though. Yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. And uh, and he's got Simon Pegg on, on, uh, like in his phone, like, you know, like. It's it's goodness all the way down. Yeah. Yeah. Holy shit! You know what I mean? Like, or like, you know, in terms of Quentin Tarantino, like he calls up Samuel L. Jackson. You know what I mean? He's like telling him what role he's gonna do in the movie, and like, I'm just, I just like, holy fucking part. shit, yeah. man! Um, and Leo, and Leo, and Leo, and nice. Leo. I would yeah. love to call up Leo and be like, "Hey, Leo, uh, I want to read something uh, with you," and like, you know, I'm just and gonna, they're like, "Yeah, go ahead, just read it." And afterwards, I'm going to blow my brains out because it's never going to get any better than that. Um, Anyway, that's how it feels. But, you know, then after, like, all of the the physical, like, you know, uh, you know, dopamine hits and, you know, the getting the stuff down, then it's just screenwriting as usual. You know what I mean? That's sort of like, you're just, like, chasing that dragon of, like, that drop. I think that's one of the reasons why why new ideas become so like you know like enticing because at a certain point you know post drop once you've gotten it and you're just writing the script as usual and you know basically where the story is going there's not there's not that much room for discovery especially in terms of rewrites and things like that you know you know then you'd have to you know sort of deal with the minutiae of you know pages and um you know how you want things to look on the page and um, like, you know, word choice and all of these other things that are just like normal parts of screenwriting. And, you know, then it's not, you know, the sort of pure inspiration that the drop is, you know, and while you still may get it from getting, you know, your pages and things like that, but it's not that pure, pure, um, you know, hit from the vi- from the imagination vibe. You know, I've, have you ever experienced this? And uh, so, yeah, I think once you start writing the pages and you start kind of putting the vision out, there's also that like silvering reality of like, it was perfect in my head, but now right. I have to... Yeah, now I have to make it actually work and I can't get the finesse I have in my mind. So some of that is sobering. Yeah. But but I've had, and there's one project I had specifically, uh, which I think you also read, Edie Green Destroys the Planet. Oh my gosh, from like 10 years ago, that I, it was such a pleasure to write mm-hmm. uh, that I started to work less because I didn't want it to end. And yeah, yeah. There's certain characters this that moment you of like, stay with, you know, and you yeah. just like, I've had this project that I've been trying to do since 2012, where like, you know, it was uh, <laughs> like 90 pages in, I realized it was a television show. Um, <laughs> you know, I was just like, I'm not even at the beginning of the first act. Um, I mean, I'm not even at the end of the first act. Like this is, this is clearly not um, like a movie, uh, but you know, it was, but that also came after like writing a 300 page book with the same characters and a 34-page outline with the backstory to the same characters, 
and creating like a, a fictional uh, game um, and also doing a, a, a short film that I had written around these characters. Like I just, I was in love with them. I was in love with those people. And, um, you know. And, and even though the high isn't maybe as high as experiencing that drop, like the, I didn't want it to end because it still was like a little bit of the juice was left. Like yeah. just coming back to it, I was just like, no, 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 I never, I don't want to be, I don't want to be out. I don't want to, I don't want my supply cut off. Yeah. <laughs> I want to <laughs> keep hanging out with these people. They're cool. Um, yeah. yeah, and there's, I definitely think there's, there's, there's some stories, some worlds where I've just wanted to live in them, and, you know, you can't, um, and it's unfortunate, it's just one of those things you just don't want to see it go, and there's that, you know, that feeling of, like, you know, those little hits, you know, when you discover things about them, and you can just get them talking, and you're just like, this is, you know, and the, the, you know the thing that sucks is, like, when you get one of those projects, and then you love it more than anything, and then nobody else loves it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you give it to people, and they're just like, so I don't, um, like, I just didn't connect to it, man. And you're like, what? How can you, oh, and you're just like, <laughs> you're like, you're like, you're not my friend. You're, 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 you're a terrible person. You're an uncultured swine. Right. Uh, you, yeah. you don't understand where these characters, I live with these people. Do you know what I gave up by finishing this script? Um, <laughs> so, wow, Rob. I think yeah. you learned something about you today. And, yeah. Uh, but, you know, it is true. Sometimes you're like, how do you not love them like I love them? Right. Uh, and they're like, because my brain is not your brain. And you're like, impossible uh <laughs> you're wrong <laughs> yeah so so that is the case i, I do want to say out there and i think this is kind of around the thought of the drop but i'm also piggybacking a lot of ideas on like a lot of things about ideas and i think sometimes the idea of like i'm going to say this and gonna, since we're talking about that uncultured friends thing i think a lot of people if they experience the like electrifying sense of the drop and all that excitement and all that dopamine they assume that means they're on the right track and it must be good. Right. But I've seen people go crazy off a cliff with it and they're just like uh, massively excited about the project and it gets, you know, more chaotic and more crazy and even harder to understand because they're just running away with it. As yeah, well. that pure inspirational thing is too much of a good thing. And you, get, be, that when yeah. you get And you get that when you, especially when you get notes, and, you know, people are like, you know, well, this thing doesn't make sense. And you were like, what? And you try like to immediately not like bite the person's head off. And then you like, you have a think on it and you're just like, well, yeah, you know, th this was probably the right thing. And then, you know, but you're, you were like so adamant about, you know, them being wrong, you know, because you were, you were in that, when you created that, you were in that space and you just- And you're feeling so good. Yeah. Right. So how could it, how could, How could it, it be work? wrong? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the antithesis is I also meet a lot of writers that like, I suffered writing this, <laughs> therefore it must be good. And I'm, I'm here to say as someone who suffered and not suffered on scripts, you know, back and forth, there is no correlation to it being good or not. Right. If you suffer, or if you're like high on dopamine and like loving every second of it, none of them equal a great script. It's just your experience. Yeah. <laughs> 
because uh, I have a lot of people who are like, oh, I suffered, so it must be amazing. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. I, this was so hard. I, I literally had to pull this out of me with like a with a with a fucking pair of tweezers and, yeah. a, and a fine tooth comb, and you're just like, I understand that, but it's it, it's not working. Um, yeah. <laughs> and it, yeah, and it's just it's like, but but I've had projects like that, suffer projects, as I like to call them, where you know it is hard to write it and it is hard to get in there, uh, uh, but. But I think, yeah, a lot of them are like, oh, well, it felt so good or it felt so bad that it must, I must be a genius. Right. Uh, right, right. And none of those, unfortunately, none of those are true just because you're in the process. <laughs> um, uh, but it is, I always find that it is better to be chasing that excitement and energy. You know, if nobody's going to love it or, you know, there's no guarantee for any project, you might as well have a good time doing it. Yeah. Well, I, I think that's a perfect way to sort of wrap up our, our, our talk on that. Um, right. Let's move on to what are we watching, consuming, writing uh, this yeah. week. Um, I mentioned that I had watched um, Nightcrawler because I'm writing my contained yeah. thriller, and I guess I'm just going down the, um, the the rabbit hole of the Gilroy boys, um, <laughs> just one Gilroy at a time. Um, and uh, I tried uh, Nightcrawler this week because I'd never seen it actually, and it, it, really it just, okay. Yeah, and it was, uh, it, the, I don't know. I will say, I don't necessarily know that that I, I didn't get the same feeling that I got when I saw Michael Clayton, where I felt like everything just sort of like, whoa. Um, but when I was looking at this movie, what I did see is a uh, an Oscar-worthy performance from Jake Gyllenhaal. Jake Gyllenhaal carries that movie on his entire shoulders, and yeah. this is one of those movies where the lead is there's no there are no scenes that 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 don't feature the lead in it. Um, like there, yeah. there are very few that don't feature the lead, and so you're um, you're watching Jake Gyllenhaal play this person who doesn't really know how. I mean, who doesn't. He was mimicking a person. His character yeah. is mimicking how a human being reacts. And even, even in the moments that are like, you know, in those sort of moments where, like, where there's no dialogue, you don't require him to act, he still has this inhuman dead eye stare of like someone who's just dead inside. And yeah. I'm just like, I'm watching him. I'm like, there's not a moment where he comes outside of this character. And I'm like, give, listen, can we go back and give this man an Oscar for whatever year? Because whatever, whoever won, like in place of this, robbed Jake Gyllenhaal of this Oscar. Like, <laughs> absolutely uh, yeah. robbed I mean, that man of the I Oscar. Could, Holy shit. I mean, I almost feel like we should know who we're upset about. Yeah, who about. did? Um, uh, so that was 2014. Who won? Best actor to 2014 or 2015, I guess. Yeah, I guess it would be 2015. Sorry, my bad. Uh, sorry, you can uh, delete some of these pauses. Oh, Eddie Redmond. For, oh, for the... Yeah, theory of Everything. For Theory of Everything? Oh, he definitely got robbed. Nothing against Eddie Redmond, but he was, no, there's no way that his performance... <laughs> no, that, that performance is not... Yeah, like the Danish girl, maybe, but not, not the yeah, the Danish girl, yes, but not, not, a, no, 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 not a Stephen Hawking. Sorry, no, sorry, yeah, no. sorry about that. Yeah, yeah I think, no. he got I think, 
Yeah, I think he's he definitely had uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, the scariest man bun I've ever seen in my life. As well. Yeah, like, he, uh, yeah, you know that man bun's coming out. You know there's some shit about to go down. Yeah, that he man, started putting his hair up, and I was uh-huh. just like, oh, You're like, no. oh, God. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. I think Eddie Redmayne owes uh, Jake Gyllenhaal a letter of apology. Um, anyway, um Maybe they're both listening and they can sort this out. Well, you know, I'm, I'm willing to have them both on the podcast and talk about it. Um, anyway, we are, I'm in a show hole um, because oh. PAX is, is done. And that was I, hard, yeah. Although, yeah. Yeah, we can talk about the, the ending of PAX because, well, should we? We can't spoil it. No, right? we can't spoil it. Um, and you and I need to talk about this privately. Once yeah, 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 yeah. And everybody can just imagine what we said. Season two was so amazing. Um, it was, it was I really, whoa, I mean, a season two, I, I would definitely say it's better than season one. I just, I, for me, I was jealous because I've always wanted to do a show about stand-up comedy where, you know, you sort of, speaking of the drop, where you have to, you know, they did a, an episode called The Click, um, where like, you know, uh, Deborah, the or Gene Smart's character has been taking this, um, the, her act out on the road and she hasn't gotten it yet. But then she, when she's out in front of the audience and she has this moment where she like pivots and she goes off book. And then when in that, that off book pivot, she finds what the show is and that's, and she knows exactly where to go and how to rearrange all the jokes. And, and then she has her her own drum. Yeah. Right. And then, you know, there's that moment where you see like, that's a big episode. The drop is, I mean, the, the click, the drop, damn it. The click is the, is one of the biggest episodes of this, of the season. Yeah. And it has like this amazing narrative where they're going back and forth, trying to figure out like, what's the, you know, the, you can literally see them like evolving this joke. Like, here's the punchline. No, this is funnier. No, this is funnier. Plus this, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and that's what comedy is. And I've always wanted to do a, a movie or a television show about how, jokes evolve um as a stand-up as a stand-up comic and they i'm so jealous i was so jealous watching that show it was like god damn it somebody finally fucking did it and it was just it was uh anyway so there's no more hacks and i'm sad um i'm not ever not ever ever yeah, it's coming. I, well, I don't know. They haven't been renewed for season three yet. They haven't. Well, yeah, but the, the, the creators are not like, oh, we're one and done. It's not, it's not, or if we, they're not pulling a flea bag. Like, they're not like, end of story. No, they're not like that. But I wonder, it's all up to HBO. HBO, HBO I mean, this is their, one of their hottest shows. <sighs> they did the same thing. They did the same thing with um, uh, the pirate one. Uh, oh, uh, Our Flag Our Means, Flag means death. death. But they got yeah. a season two. They just did, yeah. But it was the beginning of Pride Month. They like weed it. Yeah. They, they and like they knew they knew well before this. I'm sure uh, well, because but but they're gonna they're gonna just make us anxiety ridden. I hope. Uh, well, <laughs> anyway, so I've been watching things that are apropos to my contained thrill. I've been trying to. Nightcrawler was one movie, and then I also watched Cop Shop with Joe, by Joe yeah. Carnahan. Um, it's on Peacock. And I've watched, this. seems like a bunch of movies on Peacock this week. Um, and you know what? Cop Shop was kind of awesome. Um, it's a movie that knows exactly what it is. It knows it's a basic ripoff of Assault on Precinct 13. And it does not try to reinvent the wheel. It just tries to make a good wheel. And the lead character is a 
uh, black woman um, amongst all men in this action movie, and she's just fantastic. Um, and I just, I, I, uh, I gotta know this this actress's name. Oh, Alexander, Alexis Louder, Alexis Louder. Oh, Alexis Louder. Okay. Alexis yes. Louder. All right. We've made it known. Yes. Um, the lead of the of, of Cop Shop is Alexis Louder. Um, and she is fantastic. Um, apparently she was in Watchmen. Um, oh, the, the show? The show. Um, I'm not remembering her from that show, so I have to go back and rewatch. But she is, whoa. Um, she can do anything. Um, she's very vulnerable and 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 fantastic and i just i hope this lady gets more work um she's fantastic so cop shop i can uh, thoroughly recommend that like i said it's on peacock uh, mm -hmm. kate tuxford what were you watching slash uh you know doing this week yeah so um i think i mentioned last week that i was working on my shot list for my feature film delivery mm -hmm. um which is very long process of deciding every single shot you're going to need and the equipment you're going to need for it and where you're going to shoot it. Tell um, people how many shots are in your movie, Kate Tuxford. Well, tell, it's gonna, tell the people. It, it's going to change. Tell the people. Okay, 535. Okay. Oh, my Lord. But we're going we're to combo some and some of those <laughs> are more like series that we're, we're counting as individual shots. There's like a memory sequence that's going to be uh, pretty crazy that we're kind of we're counting that as like 14 shots but it's really one gimbal insanity i'm just uh, like you know no, how I'm many lighting saying, setups is that my god um it's not it's you know we're, we're reusing some of them uh yes i know i know okay listen i know it's it's the indie film that uh doesn't know what she is um yeah no so that's our first that's our first uh that's our first uh, draft on on Seek out the miseducation of Bindu, co-written by Kate Tuxford and written by uh, Pratna. Yeah, yeah, and Pratna Mohan. Yeah, yes. And uh, uh, there's no superheroes in, in ours, but um, 
we do have a Bollywood sequence. So a uh, stoner Bollywood sequence. So I feel like those, that's like the same thing. Yeah. Uh, which is on Tubi. It's on Tubi. I mean, everybody listens every week. I'm like, I'm on Tubi. Um, but I won't stop saying that. And anyway, um, <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, so yeah, I definitely uh, enjoyed that. I also watched the episodes of Stranger Things season four, up to I think there's seven episodes that are released. And um, also, I was going to say I caught a movie. I can't remember what I caught now. Okay, it? it's fine. It's I have to let it go. I have to let it go. And the, right. the, and also, well, like I'm, we're gonna end this, and, and then I'm gonna just be like, you're gonna have to remember what this, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it actually, but had nothing to do negative about the movie. It wasn't. It wasn't because it was bad or anything. So, um, whoever's like listening to this and being like, oh, it must have been unforgettable. Must have been a no, shitty movie. Yeah, but no, it's just yeah, you know, no, just because no, no, it's, it's just me. Uh, it's just me and my brain, not braining. Um, also, I went to Cinegear this week, which was kind of fun. I'm more on the yeah. side, but uh, it's. <laughs> I hung out with my DP and the gaffer who I went to school with as well. He was the gaffer on Bindu, and they were like, "You're in our town now." Uh, it was great. <laughs> <laughs> You're uh, in my world now, right? Yeah, they're like, there's so many lighting vendors, and they would go through and be like, "This one's good, this one's sus, this one's shit, this one's new, this one's great but expensive." You know, so it was nice to walk through all of that and um, get to see a lot of products and stuff out there. A lot of fancy ass stuff. Um, but at the end of the day, the thing that attracted most people to most booths were all the different types of batteries. Everyone was really excited about batteries. Yeah. Um, more than anything. <laughs> I literally have a, 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 a script about, you know, where there's something called a battery boom. Anyway, yes. so this week's resource uh Let's be honest. Uh, I would love to get Tony Gilroy on this podcast. Um, you know, as we go on our fourth or fifth week, as, as you know, giving out our love for Tony Gilroy uh, and the Gilroy family at this point. But you know, we started this podcast to focus on the unrepped, the unloved, and the unproven to some people. Um, all of our screenwriters out there who are doing the work just like us, but not necessarily getting all the kudos. And so this week, I would like to shout out two of our, uh, you know, our screenwriting brethren, Paige Feldman and Jay Fingers, uh, who both have amazing YouTube channels about the life uh, of a screenwriter. And you can take all sorts of lessons and catharsis from them. And you should. And each will be linked in the show notes. Uh, Okay, we both uh, sort of looked at uh, you know their their YouTube channels, and they they've had some interesting videos that we've discussed ourselves. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Especially, I think I think what's nice is a lot of them. Uh, Paige, especially, I'm most familiar with, is very open about her process and how it's going and what it looks like from the other side, mm -hmm. which which I think is so nice. Not just for writers to feel like we have somebody we're in the trenches with. I mean, this is called screenwriters in the trenches writing mm -hmm. in the trenches uh but but also uh you know i think it does help a lot of people who think well how does this get from here to here and right. and, and it kind of fills in those blanks in our society we we just uh, we all think uh writers are just experiencing the drop at all times <laughs> and they're just in an eternal state of bliss and creativity when really but that is not the case this is not the case and uh and it also means when you're a writer uh, if it's not happening to you at that moment, it doesn't mean you're any less of a writer. So I right, think it's, right, good. Right. it's good. It's good. It reminds, it reminds us of our people. And yeah, so uh, Paige Feldman and Jay Fingers, uh, like I said, their, their YouTube channels will be linked in the show notes. 
I will also link the uh, the episode of this podcast where Paige took over, where uh, Kay, our beloved co-host, left us for a week and uh, left uh, her poor partner, uh, that being me, scrambling for a, uh, a, co- a podcast co-host. Okay, wait, you got plenty of notice in advance, and, <laughs> and I was filming in New York. Let's, I know, I know. Paige did a lovely job. I'm just, that's all I'm trying to say. Paige did uh, great, but let's, let's just, you I'm just you. trying to say okay. that Paige did a lovely job and you abandoned yes. us. That's all I'm trying but to that, say. Mm, okay. <laughs> it's that last part you're just yeah. sitting in there. You're like, yeah, Paige is great. All right, focus I'll, on Paige. I'll, I'll focus on Paige being great. You're a terrible person, Kay. I'm like, <laughs> oh, hmm, okay. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, asshole. Um, yeah. And that's our show. Uh, screenwriting from the Trenches can currently be found on Anchor, Apple, Google, and Spotify podcasts, as well as KevinOnMartin.com. And since we're a new podcast, we'd appreciate if you dropped us a like or rated us five stars on whatever platform that you patronize because... Algorithms. For questions for us that we can and will answer on the show, please email me at robertbespecticlemofo.com. You can also find us on Twitter. I am at BespecticleMofo. I am at K underscore Tux. And these things, as well as my YouTube channel, where I have a digital series, How to Make a Movie for $1,000, will all be linked in the show notes. Thanks so much for listening. We hope that you will continue to do so. Now, stop procrastinating. Those pages aren't going to write themselves. Goddamn right. All right, Kay, one more in the books. I don't remember what that movie was. I don't remember, but I totally watched a movie this week, and I don't remember. (laughs) 